0: Hello listeners. My name is Dean and welcome to another episode of the LSC Focal Point podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Henrik Hungerhoff. Henrik is a founding managing director at APX. He studied in the University of Cape Town, Columbia Law School, and earned his doctorate degree in law at Blue Sirius Law School. Before joining APX, he was the chief of staff for the CEO at Axel Springer and the co-founder of the venue Berlin. His passion for music also led him to co-found the independent music label, Blue Whale Records. Eric, how are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Great to chat. Well, to start off the episode, can you share with us a bit more about your exciting career journey? What motivated you to move from law to music and media, then to venture capital? So
1: basically, my core insight about myself and self-reflection was pretty early on, but I would say the latest kind of in the later high school years, and then certainly during studying law, time at the university, that I'm a generalist. So... I was never really happy just focusing on one thing in my life. So I would always need that blend of different activities and fields of interest. And hence, this is really a great chance for me to be an inventor these days, because there is the opportunity to really work as a generalist and have basic teams and and investment opportunities from all across the fields that you can imagine as a human being on this planet. So this is really why... Uh, this kind of fits fits to me and uh, so did I think my previous steps so it might seem quite <laughs> quite uh, interesting from uh, random from the outside but this is basically for me as a journalist a great has been a great track
0: definitely that sounds like a really exciting journey as well what did you thought about when moving from uh, music and media to venture capital and then what was the uh, motivation in joining music and media right after law school yeah
1: yeah so basically the initial uh, motivation obviously, with regards to my core interest, which is music. I'm, I'm actively playing in a, in a bluegrass band, and this is really important to me. So this is still 30, 40 shows per year pre-COVID, and for example, this year we did 15, so not that many, but it's really important for me maybe for reasons that we can talk about later on, but basically this, this music uh, uh, faction was there early on but still, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard, especially in this in this genre to make it and, and feed a family, uh, sustain a family on that so basically my my, my law degree gave me the opportunity uh, to, to go and learn something that is, in my view, at least this is also how how law is, is, is taught in, in German school it is basically a generalist degree because you learn how to think and how to differentiate between the important and the unimportant stuff. So this is basically my first step. And then from there, there was lots of serendipity. There were some decisions then, you know, I I, I dove deeper into criminal law for some time, mm-hmm. which was quite exciting at that time, anti-terrorism law. But then it was really basically a chance that I got the opportunity to work in the media company, which obviously I could relate with, with regards to my music uh, interest. And then I started working there. From there, I, I got to meet uh, new people. Then we founded this co-working space in Berlin for music entrepreneurs uh, in the music tech space, but also journalists and, and, and yeah, artists basically. And then from mm-hmm. there again to meeting new people, I would see myself found and run APX today. So uh, it's, it wasn't really planned in a, in a 10 year kind of master plan, but this is, was basically step-by-step.
0: Wow. That sounds really cool. Well, from your experience with venture capital, what are the elements that you really enjoy about this industry?
1: Yeah. So for me, this is, it's a pretty simple question. It's the people that I get to deal with. That's the yeah. core element for me in anything I want to—I would do and be engaged in. And this is for venture, I think, particularly exciting, especially for the stage that we're in. So we are with APX focusing exclusively in the pre-seed stage. Mm-hmm. More often than not, actually, most of the cases where the first investor in the company, which means basically two or three founders and a pitch deck, uh, oftentimes. And this type of founder, the ambition that you see there, the, the courage, obviously, because it's intimidating, if you look at the world from just from the perspective of this pitch deck. And then also the drive that these founders basically put into this is just so amazing. And we get to know and, and, and experience this basically on a daily basis, how these founders treat challenges, how they overcome them, how they grow from this, how they are successful. You obviously also see losses and, and certain th- failures. So this is a very, very energizing and to me fascinating year to be in. And this is just the founders. The second aspect I want to mention here, why I enjoy working in this industry is that if you look at the numbers, it comes out that basically that the fraction of money that flows into venture capital, which might sound enormous from the inside perspective, but if you look at this from a GDP level, This is not a lot, but the impact that it has on societies now for the last 50 years. If you look at the at the top companies in the indexes right now, indices right now, and and basically the impact that these companies, and you know you know them all, the tech companies of this world have had, I think it is fantastic to have a relatively small kind of start or beginning here with regards to capital deployment, but then have the opportunity to really impact not just on the financial side of things, but especially also on the way. People and companies work, and this is, I think, quite exciting
0: about this industry. Well, as the managing director of APX, can you share with us some of the responsibilities of your role?
1: Yeah, sure. So what people that, that listen to this episode, I think, need to need to be aware of is that we are, in a way, a bit different to, to certain other venture capitalists out there, VC funds, because we have a certain operational team that is part of our core team. So we're a group of 16 or 17 ftes uh, full-time employees and not all of them are investors most of them are but there is a few colleagues of mine um, that had op- operational roles they don't work with the companies but they work as a sparring partner for them as we have seen in the last 10 years some 260 pre startups uh, get from zero to one and so we we think that we may have some perspective for them uh, if they come to us so we can share benchmarks and also our observation experiences and so my role is not just focusing on investments, but basically running and managing this team together with my fantastic co-managing director, Jörg, uh, who's the entrepreneur and investor b- before we teamed up. And uh, you know, I brought in some, I think, other types of skills here and experiences. But in a nutshell, if you want to hear some concrete examples, so we're talking about obviously helping founders, which is every to a certain extent the case. So it might be just one example to have a conversation because a team is about to break apart and they want to mm-hmm. understand is there any way to save this or it could be in a positive way can you introduce me to to business angel x or so you know this this, this these are exchange points um if you go beyond this it's a lot of decision making so on the investment uh, side we need to make we basically make one deal uh, one new initial investment per week so there's lots of deals that we that we process and then we have a fantastic team, lots of great colleagues with, with great experiences. So I don't need to decide every single item here, but uh, obviously I'm involved in the investment decisions and have to yeah make sure that that this is all happening and working well. And there's some other decisions to be make uh, to be made around you know obviously people in your team fund strategy. So as a fund ourselves, I mean we deploy money, but only up to two percent comes from the manager typically in the industry. So it's not my it's not my cash that I invest, but it's the cash of people that trust us to do good things with their money, meaning bringing them financial returns, sometimes even more than that. And in our case, at the moment, this is two large corporate companies, Axel Springer and Porsche, which yeah, deploy half of the capital here. And obviously it's in my responsibility to multiply that that investment from, from them and going forward, this is also involving fundraising for our successor fund. So this is an exciting task that if you guys want to become a, a GP or a managing par- a director a partner in a fund, then you, you, you would definitely be involved in all of those fields.
0: Wow. That sounds like quite a workload. At the same time, you're also running your music label, Blue Wheels Records. How do you balance your responsibilities at APX with the pursuit of your passion in music? are there any unique advantages or perspectives that your passion contributes to your venture capital career?
1: Yeah, th- thanks. That's a that's a good question. So yes, to the second question, maybe to start with, to make things work, several things at the same time is something that I've been always pursuing and trying to learn. So I still remember the day when I interviewed for my role as the chief of staff for, for the CEO of Axel Springer eight years ago or so. And I would address that question. I'd say like, dear uh, Matthias Döfner, how, how can I imagine to work for you if I want to play still music in my life? And he said, well, this is a very important part of you and you should keep doing this. It's very important. So I don't care how you reply to my emails. You can do that from the tour bus. So a uh, long story short, this actually was the case and this worked and I did play these shows and it helped me a lot. And and why? Because if you can think about it, the tech bubble, and I'm sure this it's the same in London, maybe even worse, is, is quite intense. So there's this bubble of people you know from the funds obviously from the startups there's a lot of like-minded people which is always great there's a great energy there's, there's great motivation there and great drive but on the other hand it can be quite unique or singular view on the on the world it's very you know of of course things work out technology will solve everything so i think for me it's a very important aspect of my life to also have a sufficient exposure to kind of the, the other life that is not so digital and that is not so optimized and that is a bit more coming from your heart. And that is basically the music space for me because we're not a successful band. Obviously, we are playing a lot of shows per year, but but this is a genre that is not large enough, I would also argue, in, in continental Europe. That, and, and, and still, I enjoy these shows a lot. I get to talk to different types of people. I have a very different type of
0: circle of friends
1: to that. So that's very important to me.
0: That is indeed very unique. Thank you for those. APX specializes its investments in startups with digital business models at very early stages, pre-seed stages, such as the FinTech startup in 26. This already implies a very high risk and reward nature of the portfolio. How does APX treat its find, decide, win, and help stages in its investments to best mitigate those risks? Great question. So this is
1: obviously one of the core
0: questions that we ask ourselves every day.
1: Mm -hmm. And it must be represented and reflected in the investment strategy, obviously of the whole fund. So this is the core that you just described or asked for, I think one very important factor is is here in this, in this question. And the answer to this question is diversification. So because we invest so early, there's a very, very, (laughs) it's very, very important and basically indicative for us to have lots of investments. And for us, we go even one step further. It's not just lots of investment. I would say again, from investors that come in a bit later, these investors normally would formulate a, a certain hypothesis on the world in 10, 15 years. This is what are the, what are the big trends, we are then find the best companies in Europe on that. Our approach is the opposite. We say, we don't know how the world's gonna look like in 10 or 15 years. What we know is we've selected some great founders in the last 10 years and worked with 250 teams to make them, get them from zero to one basically, help them to And so we are betting completely on the people Betting is a weird word here because we're not playing. We're not playing mm-hmm. with that. It. it is really we, we we put the trust in them. We invest money and then also resources. So as coming back to the mitigation of those risks for us, this is diversification that is absolutely important. But then there's also some other aspects. For example. We try to remain humble you know this is something uh, every day you need to walk into the office and or be at home and work from there whatever the time is but you what you really want to make sure is you shouldn't become complacent you shouldn't become arrogant i've seen that before it didn't work like two years ago it's basically a very strong incentive in a way to just rely on your on your past patterns that you apply to select good companies but who tells you and me now that in five years or in seven years, when the world has developed further into into the future, that the same type of team that was great to build a fintech DecaCorn in 2013, when they set a sale, is the right team to do this again, starting in 2028 or so. So the world changes, the teams change, mentalities change, the, the type of teams that we support uh, are very different, I think, uh, from from how teams were set up, at least in Germany, maybe in the UK, 10 years ago. So you need to remain vigilant and super open to what comes next, and not just in terms of the topics and t- and, and, and industries, but especially also with regards to the founders and their ideas. So long, long answer here to this question, but that's the way we want to mitigate.
0: Makes sense, makes sense. And since you are emphasizing a lot on the people of the, t- the team and the people, What do you think are some of the characteristics or the elements that would make a great investment of team and those things that you look for in an investment
1: yeah so again you're you're touching with that the the core of what we do the investment decision the important insight here is there is usually no product that we can look at more than 70 percent of the deals that we do are pre-products so we can't really look at success metrics that later stage investors can look look at. So this is already out of the equation here. What we look at is the team. What we look at is the timing. So why you is regarding the team, why now is regarding the timing and why this obviously is the question with regards to, is there an opportunity for this product? Do we see an opportunity for this product to capture a market potentially in the future market? And, and is there a vision that is strong enough for that? And so the core is As probably you are aware of the team here, so they will pivot most likely. This happens to a lot of teams in our portfolio. So if you have a great team and if there are certain validated assumptions that this team brings forward, then they have high chances for us to invest, even though we invest, I think, in 1.8% or so of the deals that we see and have in our funnel every week. We look at slightly more than 50 deals per week on average. So this is the deals that, that actually come to us through our website.
0: Definitely well as you said the the trends in the market are shifting very quickly then can you share some of your perspectives and opinions on some of the emerging trends or existing trends in the pre-seed venture capital industry today and how will they affect or what will they affect the industry in the next five to ten years yeah
1: so basically there's two
0: dimensions on this one is how does
1: the industry itself change and then obviously how are startups that we invest in change or the technology mm-hmm. trends Maybe a, a brief note on both because obviously this is to some extent some speculation here but on the first one, what we have seen is there's not that much innovation on bigger levels for the VC industry itself, which is a bit weird because we're investing into, into the ideally most uh, disrupting technologies. So the, the industry itself is, is, is moving relatively slowly on that end. Uh, of course, there are certain trends, you know, for instance, uh, in, in Europe today, I think there's an emerging, emerging trend of, of new fund of funds that focus on specific types of managers. Those are typically maybe even solo GP funds. So funds that are just run by one manager that has maybe great experience in a certain domain or that covers a certain regions is well connected. So there are certain trends in the fundraising ecos- and fund ecosystem here. With regards to the technologies and startups that we see, it's, it's also an interesting question, but I want to also refer this to... To our models, so when you look at our portfolio on any given year, I'll call them cohorts. So if you look at the twenty eighteen cohort, you will have a bunch of companies, several dozens, uh, and then you will basically see the trends of that given year. So if you look at last year, obviously, there were quite a number of Web3 companies in there. Fintech and PropTech are going strong. I already shared this. There were, was a time that was where e-commerce was, again, uh, on the rise with new solutions. So there is basically a blend of topics in our portfolio. That's our approach. And so we don't go all the way down just to the bottom of one single vertical or so. But instead, our year is, again, diversification. And this is part of our model.
0: Makes sense. Thank you for those insights. Let's talk about some of the investment areas of APX. Well, as we talked about what's the rapidly growing fintech industry in Europe, what are some of the elements APX look for its investment candidates and what are your opinions on some of the current controversials or topics in the fintech industry? Yeah, that's a very good question. So
1: first of all, on the types of founders. We make no exception for fintech or for that particular vertical. As to we're super open-minded here, so it's not like okay we need this team that has worked in banks and McKinsey and read from from LSE. So instead, we are in every single vertical. We are completely opportunistic. If there's a team that has the drive and has a certain conviction or brings a certain conviction to our team, then there is a good chance that we look at this in a in a in a solid way and and, and might invest if if this is if the, if the ingredients are right. So. There's no specific founder team type that we're looking for in this, in, in fintechs. The truth is for most of the fintechs we, we've invested in, and, and you're right with now, I think just in APX, in the Advox portfolio, there's 10 or 12 or so that we've invested in. And those are, by the way, both on the B2B side, but also on consumer fintech. And I'm going to dive into this in a second, but there is one pattern that is probably there is someone on the team, maybe not everybody, but one on the team, has some kind of background in banking because of the regulatory side and to a certain kind of yeah maybe also to the fact that 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 this industry is in a, in a way conservative so this is if you if you ask for the the founder trades or the teams here this is a very important aspect on the second question basically what are current trends that we see and is there any I mean, the way you said it is is there anything that 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 you see you know maybe maybe fortified or, or going stronger i think I wouldn't say there is any decline what we need to also see here is there's so much opportunity still with all these incumbents in the market in any type of sub-vertical fintech if, if you zoom in just on one it could be retail banking so if you think at think of you know the way this looked like 15 years ago okay then there came Revolut and 26 a few others that basically provided nice to use interface for consumers to, to do banking then the next wave comes in looking at trading and maybe incorporating this to a certain extent to making to make this cheap and efficient if you then go one step further we see now the first uh, third wave i would call it now with regards to social social could be a very interesting topic for the next years to come as to how do you exchange and share uh, uh, not advice but experiences with other like-minded people that want to invest in crypto and want to invest in other types of assets And this is, of course, also an industry that is completely stable for decades now with people going to their financial advisor. But I can't see you, Dean, or myself, Dean, to get that advice from from these types of, you know, kind of local bank advisors anymore in the future. So uh, people look to peers, look to these kind of uh, groups. and, And this is a social media trend, that I think, that is just starting to happen in fintech, plus the entire kind of Crypto, Web3 space. So what we've seen now, for example, very interesting, by the way, we've invested in a company a few months ago that wants to make crypto as an asset class accessible to underage folks, basically kids, your kids, my kids. So how can they learn about crypto and get into this early on and use the functionalities, but also be able to use it in a positive and sustainable way? We all know, okay, looking at the last few months, this is not the best timing, but it might change again. And obviously there's a good chance that that things will, will improve again. Six, 10 years ago, the initial idea was to have a credit card for kids. So this then emerges and then it comes to the next level and then there's a new product on top of this. So I see absolutely no end to this trend. There will be more and more products that people need because paying and 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 handling money and 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 purchasing is just very important for everybody be it businesses or consumers
0: definitely especially when our finance and banking is connected to so many areas there's just so much more opportunities and uh, finally shifting the focus to our listeners are there any insights or advice that you have concluded throughout your career that you would like to share with our listeners
1: yes happy to so i think it's it's all coming down to these core values that you either find important or not. And in, in my case, I think what will help and is always a good friend is think long-term don't optimize on the short term, meaning stay true to yourself, stay the course, stay authentic and straightforward and build relationships. I think that's it. And then it doesn't matter which future and if you do this and you are consistent and obviously you will be obviously also ambitious, I guess and that's important here, but I guess long-term focus and really this authenticity and straightforward communication building long-term relationships. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in VC or in any other type of of field, this will help tremendously. So that would be my small piece of advice for those that are
0: interested. That was really insightful. Thank you so much for taking your time to share your expertise with us here today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the LSC Focal Point podcast. Stay tuned for more insightful content.